Welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today Unplugged. Today's topic is convenience. Why convenience? Because, very simply, the future mobility is on demand, autonomous, and convenient. The future mobility, despite what's been published, it's not shared by default. It's convenient by default. Everything around mobility will be defined by convenience. The future mobility will be highly personalized, on demand. Point-to-point mobility experiences multimodal modes of transportation, including, but not limited to, micromobility, autonomous vehicles, personally owned vehicles, ride sharing. Consumers like to go where they want, point A to point B. They like to use trains, they like to use scooters, they like to use bikes. But what's the glue that holds this all together? Payments. Without payments that are integrated across the board to make one payment, it's, it's not convenient. Payments are going to be the glue that's going to hold together the future mobility and allow it to be convenient. Private vehicles. Why are they selling at record numbers? Why are consumers buying them? They're convenient. A private vehicle allows you to go anywhere you want, anytime you want. You don't have to wait for a friend. You don't have to wait for an Uber. You don't have to wait for a Lyft. You don't have to wait for a taxi. There's no waiting. You get in your car, you turn it on, you go. It's very, very simple. This is the trend that is going to affect and impact the future mobility. Convenience. Convenience is not only impacting the future mobility, it's impacting a variety of industries. You order something on Amazon, comes to your house same day, next day, that's convenient. It's simple. That's what people want. You want a new pair of sneakers, you go to Nike.com, you order them, you design them there in two days. That is convenient. The other thing is when you look at retail, what else is convenient? Pickup. Perhaps you want to order something from Target or Walmart or here in Florida Publix and you go over there and you arrive at the Target, Walmart, or Publix and you pull up and it says, dedicated parking spots, online order pickup. You're right in front. Why? It's convenient. But the truth is, it saves Walmart, Target, and Publix a lot of money without having to pay a delivery service. But for you as a consumer who might want to drive to the store and get your item faster, it's convenient. And convenience, in my opinion, it's what's driving electric vehicle sales. They surpassed 10% of all new vehicles globally in 2022. That's right. 10% of all new vehicle sales in 2022 globally were electric vehicles. Why? Convenience. Electric vehicles are convenient. They're convenient to drive. Frankly, they're a lot of fun to drive. But as convenient as an electric vehicle is, there's a problem brewing below the surface that's not talked about a lot. If you look at the majority of EV drivers, you speak to them, you look at surveys, you look at results, it comes down to destination charging. Consumers, they want to charge at home. Well, it might seem easy. Sometimes buying a charger online, this is outside of a Tesla, takes a week to two weeks to get. Okay, that's not too bad because you can plan for the arrival of your new electric vehicle. However, good luck trying to get an EV electrician to install the charger. It's a pain in the butt. There's no standard installation process. There's no transparent fees. You go to Bob's Electricity, that'll be $2,000. You go to Jay's Electricity, that'll be $1,000. You go to Mary's Electricity, it's $2,100. Oh, okay, what's the difference? Well, that's just what they think the market can bear. What we really need to accelerate the growth of electric vehicles, which I'm an EV owner and I'm a proud EV owner and I thoroughly enjoy driving it, we need transparency around the installation process of EV chargers at home. Perhaps there's a standard installation process where if you're going to put in a Tesla wall charger, Tesla mandates the price at X because the service this, or perhaps Blink mandates at this, or ChargePoint mandates it at that. There has to be standards and transparency around home charging. It's an issue that we have to 
to tackle or we're going to lose the convenience factor of EVs. If we want EVs to surpass 20% of all vehicles sold globally, we have to figure out home charging. And on the other aspect of home charging, if you look at it more closely or, or deeper, it's destination charging. And I'm going to give you a personal example. I left my house. I was charged about 74% and drove from South Florida up to Disney World. I got there with roughly 4% of the battery left. I checked into the hotel and I, I said to the valet, hey, can you charge my EV for me? Yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll go plug it in for you. Not a problem. And enjoy your time at Disney World. Well, every electric vehicle has a connected app. So I, I checked the app. Oh, this is great. Maybe 80% in, in 30 minutes or so. Not so fast. I mean, not so fast. This, this was something else. They plugged the charger in at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I repeat, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I get an alert on my phone that charging will be completed at 3.30 a.m. the next day. I repeat, 3.30 a.m. the next day. That's roughly 17 hours to charge the battery. Keep in mind, I wanted to go to 100% so I could ensure with traffic or if I put the air conditioner on or, or charge some cell phones or iPads in the car, I could make it home. 17 hours to charge a vehicle? Not, not practical, the destination. And I want, I want to put this into, into more context here. This particular hotel I stayed at at Disney World has 443 rooms. That's a lot of people going to the happiest place on earth. Now, let's run some math here. Let's say 50 guests arrived with an electric vehicle. There was only two chargers, level one chargers, 17 hours to charge from 4% to 100%. What would happen? How would the valet manage the situation of charging the vehicles? It would be a problem. There would be a lot of complaining going on, possibly a lot of dead batteries going on. But more importantly, in my humble opinion, it would have a negative impact on the overall EV experience because it would lead to anxiety. Oh no, am I going to be able to go home after a wonderful week at Disney World? Is the battery going to be charged? Oh no, do I have to call roadside a service? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? It would create anxiety. We want destination charging to scale, especially at hotels. And if you look at Disney World, one of the most visited places in the world, a lot of individuals travel there. They rent cars from, from MCO, which is the airport, as a society to get individuals to adapt to EVs. We have to get over anxiety. We cannot have a family of four, family of five, a family of six driving to Disney World in an electric vehicle from South Florida or, or North Florida, for that matter, worried about range anxiety charging anxiety, which I believe charging anxiety is the new range anxiety because EVs will not scale. They'll go back to the gas car. That's very simple. They'll go back to the, to the gas car. But if we can solve destination charging where you pull up to that hotel, which I said earlier is 443 rooms currently and only has two chargers. Imagine if I had 50 chargers, they were level two chargers, 50 amp. Okay. That was great. Or perhaps it it had a level three charger. Oh, well, now we're really cooking. Now we're doing good. But to get there, you have to have the infrastructure. It's convenience that we're starting to see emerge in the world of autonomy. Autonomy is going to be defined by convenience, just the same way that electrification with electric vehicles is being defined by convenience. And recently, I attended CES in Las Vegas. And this year, in my personal opinion, I don't have data or stats to back this up. It feel, felt lighter than the pre-COVID years. However, the technology was there. CES, the technology was there, and they did a really great job. And I want to highlight a few of these technologies that I saw at CES here. John Deere showcased the fully autonomous 8R tractor. The tractor, it was beautiful. It was huge. It was a 
piece of art, frankly. Not only was it a piece of art, was it was it beautifully designed, was it beautifully showcased. Go go team deer on the way that you presented it at CES. But most importantly, that ADAR tracker is going to have a real world impact for farmers around the world. It's going to allow them to scale their farming operations with a global labor shortage and a pending recession. And I want to highlight the and the pending recession. Economists are all over the map on a potential, I repeat, a potential recession. I'm not making a forecast here, as Howard Marks famously says of Oak Tree Capital. But I want to point to some data here. Economists at Goldman Sachs are forecasting the chance of a recession at, at 35%. I repeat, forecasting at 35% chance. While the Bloomberg consensus is a 67% chance. That's a 32% swing. Well, where's it going to be? As Howard Marks said, as I said earlier, I'm not making a forecast. But dear, they did. They did great. The ADAR tractor wasn't there for hype. It wasn't there to have this CES moment. Let's get covered in TechCrunch. Let's get covered in The Verge. Let's see. Let's tell investors that Deer's a tech company. No, 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 no. That might be the headlines, but let's dive into the data here. It's part of John Deere's overall strategy. The, the Mr. John May, who's CEO of Deer, and Mr. Josh Jepson, who's CFO of Deer, in a September 2022 analyst meeting with J.P. Morgan, Mr. Jepson and Mr. May say the following, which I think is really important to highlight here. Every tractor going forward will be autonomous ready with necessary computing infrastructure. That is a very bold statement from Mr. May and Mr. Jepson, and it validates what Deere showed at CES with the ADAR tractor. Autonomy is a business for Deere. It's a real business. It's a business that will pay dividends for Deere shareholders and farmers around the world. It's a win-win business. The tractor will be profitable for farmers. The tractor will be profitable for deer shareholders. It's simple. It's a win-win situation. And oh, by the way, it's convenient. Deer's going to not have to worry about the labor issue on farms. It's a very convenient way for farmers around the world to scale. And on previous episodes of SAE Tomorrow Today, we've been absolutely honored to have been joined by several individuals of the, the John Deere team. And we, were, we even had the pleasure of being joined by Ingenio Caffarero and Aubrey Donnellan, the founders of Bear Flag Robotics, on episode 51, prior to their acquisition of John Deere in August of 2021. With SAE tomorrow today, we try and keep our listeners in front of the trends that are happening, things that we find interesting, things that we think are going to have an impact on the global economy, and frankly, just to tell really great stories. And then on the Deere side, we had Al Savage, manager of the Starfire Network at John Deere, on episode 60. Hey, Al. And we had Joseph Leifer, Senior Product Manager for Autonomy John Deere Intelligence Solutions Group on episode 101. Al told the story of the Starfire Network GPS and how Deere was the first commercial company to use GPS. Joseph told the story about Deere with Autonomy. As part of my job as the host of SA Tomorrow Today, I try and keep you, the listeners, ahead of the curve and informed on issues that are impacting the future of autonomy and mobility. And as I've said to Ingino and, and Al and Joseph privately, nothing runs like an autonomous deer. Well, nothing runs like an autonomous deer. Nothing moves Earth better than a 100-ton CAT 777 autonomous truck. <laughs> Sorry, folks, not to be confused with a 77 Boeing. It's a 100-ton CAT 77 autonomous truck. Very similar to deer, CAT's creating value for their customers. They're providing large-scale autonomous trucks in some of their most remote mines in the world. They're doing it in, in Western Australia. Western Australia faces issues. The miners fly in for two weeks, they go home for two weeks. They fly in for two weeks, they go home for two weeks. The issue is when you look at the data, sometimes they go home for two weeks, they don't come back. I repeat, they go home for two weeks, they don't come back. It's a very 
hard lifestyle. It's a very tough lifestyle. And Caterpillar has developed the autonomous trucks, which are allowing these miners to scale. And you can you can make the argument, in some cases, that autonomous mining could be considered a, a national security issue. And I want to highlight this really interesting piece from Bloomberg Intelligence on lithium here. And, and Bloomberg Intelligence, quote unquote, said the following. Batteries needed for electric vehicles could be the largest demand driver for lithium over at least the next decade. The electrification megatrend, which notably includes the transition to EVs and away from traditional ICE vehicles, that's internal combustion engine vehicles, has completely altered the demand trajectory of lithium, a critical component in secondary battery production. Yeah, we don't have an electric future without lithium. Mining, it's tough. But what does the CAT autonomous truck do to hold lithium on the mines? It makes it convenient. It makes it scalable and it makes electrification a reality. On episode 57 of SA Tomorrow Today, we had Michael C. Murphy, chief engineer at Caterpillar. Mr. Murphy came on to discuss CAT and their autonomous truck operations. It was a fascinating conversation, Mr. Murphy. You really don't understand the true depth of what CAT's doing until you listen to that episode. Furthermore, CAT operates the largest fleet of autonomous vehicles in the world. Way to go, Team CAT. Well, CAT's operations are vast. They're developing the technology. They're doing great things. They're, they're scaling autonomous vehicles. They're not the only player in town. Startups are also working on autonomous trucks for the mining industry as well. On episode 139 of SAE Tomorrow Today, we are honored to welcome Biberjeet Halder, founder and CEO of Safe AI. Biberjeet came on. He discussed retrofitting heavy-duty vehicles and autonomous technology to enable safer, more productive, and more cost-effective work sites. Have Caterpillar, the incumbent, doing really great work, and you have Biberjeet with Safe AI doing really great work. Oh, by the way, Biberjeet was an engineer at CAT back in the day, so I think he knows the thing or two. Plus, he's a really wonderful, smart gentleman. What does autonomous mining operations allow? It's very simple. It allows more productivity and more cost-efficient work sites. This is a convenience. And overall, moving out of the mines, looking at the business models of autonomy, they're rapidly shifting to a transportation service model. In the future, there's going to be companies, Cruise, Waymo, Motional, for example, on the passenger side. You're not going to own the vehicle. You're going to either buy a subscription or you're going to pay for a ride to move you from point A to point B. And that's the humans. And on the heavy-duty truck side, we're starting to see a, a model evolve of autonomous transport where you'll pay for the goods to move from point A to point B. Or if you're a shipper or a carrier, you're going to subscribe to the truck. It's going to come. You could pay for the driver, pay for the mileage. We could put, well, it might sound costly now. You don't have to lay out $250,000 for the truck, $300,000 for the truck with all the equipment, $500,000 for the truck. You'll simply pay a subscription. Asset light, yes, but balance sheet light. You can build it into your miles. You can build it into your cost to shift things. This is a model that's being pioneered by Volvo Autonomous Solutions. They're developing their transport as a service model. Volvo, in my humble opinion, is a leader in autonomy. They are a company with incredible leadership that's not properly valued. They have the partnership with Aurora for the virtual driver that's going to that's gonna run on the Volvo trucks. And I'm hearing that Volvo has other partnerships coming down the line. Can't confirm anything, but I'm hearing it. And, and I have a sneaking suspicion Volvo's going to play a, a very large role in the future of autonomous trucking. The model that Volvo Autonomous Solutions is pioneering is convenient. As we said earlier, it saves money for the trucking companies that, that have to move goods. And on the trucking side, we have a labor shortage. 
The American Trucking Associations estimates as of 2022, the truck drivers are short. 78,000 drivers short. That's, that's an issue. Being short 78,000 drivers is going to lead to inflation. It's going to lead to higher cost of goods moving it. What solves the inflation in the supply chain is autonomous trucking. Autonomous technologies will lower inflation. It's very important that we get autonomous technology into the supply chain because all the benefits that this technology will have for consumers. It will help to lower the cost of goods. Autonomous trucking is, a, I would say, a very favorite topic of mine. It's a topic that we've covered in great depth on SAE Tomorrow today. We've had the following guests from the autonomous trucking industry on the show, and I'd like to highlight each one of these guests if you might like to go back and listen to the episode. Robert Brown, head of public affairs and government, too simple. Robert, love you, sir, who's on episode two. Gaham Narang, co-founder and CEO of Gaddock AI, episode nine. Bill Combs, vice president of connected vehicle strategy and exportation at Penske Transport Solutions, episode 27. Andreas Wendel, CTO Kodiak Robotics, on episode 45. Alex Rodriguez, co-founder and CEO of Embark Trucks, episode 54. Dr. Rainer Mule-Frenicte, Senior Vice President of Engineering and Technology at Daimler Truck North America, episode 91. Chuck Price, Chief Product Officer, Too Simple, episode 92. As you can see, seven guests out of 120-something episodes, seven guests have been dedicated to autonomous trucking. Why? Because we feel, I personally feel, that autonomous trucking is the future, and it's a future that's being built in America. And we're so thankful for the listeners that tune in each and every week, and as we highlight the importance of the autonomous trucking industry on SAE Tomorrow Today. The autonomous trucking industry is an industry that will have a positive impact on the U.S. economy. Autonomous trucking will create jobs. Autonomous trucking is good for the economy. And looking, let's go down to the local level. We talked about CES a little earlier. Let's go back into CES. There's a lot of talk about CES and how it's changed. Apple's never showed up over the years. Bill Gates used to go give the Microsoft keynotes, and then it was Steve Ballmer, and there was a lot of attention paid to Consumer Electronics. CES's original name was the Consumer Electronics Show. Not so much anymore. In my opinion, CES is not the Consumer Electronics Show. It's the most important mobility show in the world. Over 600,000 square feet was dedicated to the future mobility in the West Hall new facility that was built. Every major player around the world in autonomy was there. Every major player around the world in mobility was there. Every major tier one supplier, supplier of the industry was there. Plus, there's a lot of people that turned their badge around that were going there were some of the most important people in the mobility world. All happened at CES in Las Vegas. When you look at this, why? Because it's the future. And, and CES has the ability to bring different aspects of mobility together. CES, years ago, Warner Brothers was there. They started showing what could potentially a, an autonomous vehicle look like that had a Warner Brothers experience in it. They showed Batman. It was really, really cool. In my opinion, the future mobility will be defined by experience and conveniences. This is what's shown was at CES year in and year out. If you're in this space and you're contemplating, well, maybe I don't need to go to CES, it's consumer electronics, go to CES. The future is being showcased at CES, and it's a really great networking event. Going back on the convenience topic, the boring company, Elon Musk. Sir, job well done. You go to CES normally, you sit in traffic. What do you do? You sit in more traffic. And after that, you sit in more traffic. One year, I had to get from the Wynn to the Mandalay Bay. It took me an hour and 30 minutes. 
It's not convenient. It's frustrating. You can't make it to meetings. Well, so what does Elon do? He innovates, creates a brand, the boring company. There's nothing more boring than sitting in traffic, but he says, no, I'm going to go underground. We're going to build a series of tunnels. We're going to connect the Las Vegas Convention Center to Resorts World. So I said, okay, I'm there. I got experience with things. I got to try new things. What's this experience like? Absolutely fantastic. And it was boring. Got in the tunnel, went there, got to Resort World. I was there in under two minutes. I was able to schedule my day and, and increase more meetings. And the Boring Company, they released some data from CES 2023, which I'd like to highlight here. The average ride time in the Boring Tunnel, the Resort World, under two minutes. Average wait time, under 10 seconds. And that's really important to highlight because years ago, Mark Andreessen said, ride sharing will never scale and take off unless it's there in five minutes. Mr. Andreessen's right, and Elon's getting it down to 10 seconds. Let's look at passenger volume. What type of passengers moved? 94,000 total passengers used the tunnels. And the tunnels just don't go to Resort World, but... Overall, 94,000 total passengers used it. There's 100,000 attendees, 94,000. So let's just do the math and let's say 60,000, 60% of the attendees used the Boring Tunnel. 10,000 of those passengers went to and from Resorts World. As I said earlier, there was no traffic jams. I didn't have to sit in traffic for an hour and a half that time that I had to go to the Mandalay Bay. Even I was going closer, it would have been probably a 45-minute walk. Instead, it was a sub-two-minute ride to get to Resorts World. It was easy. It was convenient. And in my opinion, it's a service that should expand to each and every hotel on the Strip, as it's convenient. CES just began the most convenient, large-scale conference in the world. If the Boring Company can connect every single hotel to the Las Vegas Convention Center. Imagine a CES with no traffic. It's all possible with Boring Tunnels. It's time to invent the future, as the future and mobility will be convenience. Today is tomorrow. Tomorrow is today. And the future is convenience. If you've enjoyed this episode of SE Tomorrow Unplugged or have general thoughts, you can reach out to me on Twitter at G-B-R-U-L-T-E. Thank you for tuning in to SAE Tomorrow Today Unplugged. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.